It's time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. And great to have you with us this Thursday, October 26, 2023. Sam Yarnell coming up in about 15 minutes or so. We'll get into the night two of NBA with him. Some NFL, a little baseball, World Series right around the corner. Uh, a lot to get to on this Thursday. Uh, but I'm always happy to start it off with our friend Jason Cole. Does a terrific job. Outkick.com. Their senior NFL writers hanging out with us today on the program. Uh, let me start with the Niners and this Brock Purdy thing with the with the concussion stuff. Are they just playing it safe because they can, because they feel like they are still a prohibitive favorite to win that division? I think they're just, no, I, I don't think there's any second thought. I think there is a, he's got a concussion. This is what we have to deal with. This is where we're going. We have to protect him. I will say this. Sam Darnold is not a great alternative um, for what they're trying to do, to do. He's an adequate alternative and can run the passing game. But a lot of the movement stuff that they do with the quarterback, he's not really suited for. So if Kyle Shanahan wants to run the offense the way that he wants to run it, you better have Brock Purdy. And so I don't think that they're going to put handcuffs at all on Brock Purdy and him out there as much as they possibly can, knowing the limitations that they have with Sam Darnold. Yeah, but at the same time, can't Darnold be... I mean, look, there are a lot of people that will look at Brock Purdy and say, game manager, right? Great tools around him, great players around him. You could, you, you know, there's a lot of people that would say you could put a number of, you know, above average quarterbacks in that system and they could do what Brock Purdy does. I'm not saying any of that's true, but I'm saying there are a lot of people that will, that will insist on that. That being the case, can you get that for a week out of Sam Darnold? Yeah, I mean, you know, look... <laughs> The, the case with, with any backup quarterback is how many games can you get out of him before his liabilities show up and defenses expose his liabilities more and more? That's a, that's the, always the question with, uh, with a backup quarterback. And I think, yes, a game, two games, three games for Sam Darnold, fine. You start talking about having to play four, five, six, eight games with him, then the liabilities really start to show up and the, his deficiencies start to show up. And especially, like, you know, when does Debo really get back into this? Is Christian McCaffrey actually healthy? Okay. Because there's a lot of parts that go with the 49ers playing well, which was part of Brock Purdy playing well, is everybody was out on the field and everybody was pretty healthy both last year for the second half and for the first five games of this year. And then Debo gets hurt, and then Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, and things get a little bit unsettled. And that is the that is the sort of codependent offense that the 49ers have created um, because the quarterback himself, Brock Purdy, while very talented and an amazing processor, really unique player, okay, but physically limited, okay? He's just not a big, strong-armed guy. That's just not what he is, right? He's not going to sit back there in the pocket, hold the ball for four or five seconds, and deliver it. He's got to get the ball out. So you have to have guys who can get the ball on the run and go. So when the 49ers are right, 
they are one of the two or three best teams in the league. When they are slightly off, they fall precipitously. Jason Cole, outkick.com, hanging out with us on the show this morning. Um, I, I, It's funny you bring up backup quarterbacks and being exposed because it, it brings me to Tyrod Taylor. Everybody loves Tyrod Taylor right now. Last two games, the way he played against the Bills. The way he played, and I mean, look, I mean, everybody loves the backup, especially the journeyman yeah, veteran backup. Um, how much of what we've seen out of Tyrod Taylor here the last week is an aberration? How much of it is real? Are, are there people scratching their heads going, how is this guy still not playing or, or being a starter anywhere? Um, you know there is a certain sentiment out there saying, hey, let's see more of them. Daniel Jones, take your time getting back. What do you make of it? He's been in the league for 13 years, right? Yes. We've seen the best of Tyrod Taylor. And Tyrod's a nice – look, Tyrod's a nice player. Come in and do some things. Smart guy um, who can move around, make some plays here and there. And, you know, look, uh, smart, he made a bad strategic decision at the end of the first half against the, the against Buffalo that, you know, put him in a bad oh. situation, probably cost him the game, right? Okay. <laughs> But here's the sum total. Tyrod Taylor's achievement is more of a damning assessment of Daniel Jones, not an assessment that Tyrod Taylor is all that good. All right? Daniel Jones is not. And they made a mistake in giving him a long-term contract. Daniel Jones is a product, again, of do you have a ton of talent around Daniel Jones that can cover up for his liabilities? Okay? They don't. Okay, so anybody who does have a modicum of other kind of talent that can make up for deficiencies, and Tyrod Taylor has some of that, all right, then yeah, like that's going to look better. It's going to impress you a little bit. And the level of desperation that exists around the Giants right now to get anything out out of the quarterback position or anything that resembles looking decent is so deep that. You know, this is this is the conclusion you come to. That, oh, there's something with Tyrod Taylor. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not what it is. What's the problem is is your team's not very good. And you got to fix a lot of things about that team before they become a contender. Offensive line's not very good. We know that. You know, they're and they're banged up. Quarterback is just mediocre. You know, the starter's just mediocre, and you need to be special. And the the only guy who's a really good player is Saquon Barkley. And he was, he was hurt for most of the early part of the season. You're probably not going to resign him long-term. So you might as well trade him at this point in time. Oh, and there it is uh, with the trade deadline fast approaching here. And the talk of Saquon Barkley potentially being dealt, um, you know, what would seem like if, if you were to find a perfect situation or a team that would be a good match for the giants, as far as Saquon Barkley is concerned, who would it be? Look, I think that Dallas, if Dallas wants to run the running game that they want to run, that they talk about running, that they say they want to, you know, determine pace of games. Tony Pollard's okay. He's just okay. They need to have <laughs> another guy or they need to have a bell cow, right? And that's where if I was Dallas, I would sit there and go, okay, Saquon Barkley, maybe. Um, Derrick Henry, sure. And I pay for that because I think that Dallas has de- has a defense, and I know they got exposed against San Francisco again. That was San Francisco in a, t- in a TV game, perfectly healthy, everything went great, landslide type of game. 
But if Dallas wants to take advantage of the defense they have, take a real shot at, they have to get, they have to get to be more of a threat with their running game. Not just a, we're going to pound the ball out. We're going to control time of possession. We're going to reduce the number of, of situations that we put Dak Prescott in. You have to be more than that to be a serious contender. And to be more than that, you have to get a back who's got some special ability. And to me, there's two guys out there that have a chance at that. That's Saquon and Derrick Henry. All right? I wouldn't give up a lot for them. I would play, you know, one against the other. See, can I, you know, be a third-round pick plus or second-round pick plus something else for them? But I think if you work this right, you're going to get that from Tennessee or from the New York Giants. And I know the idea of Giants trading with the Cowboys is probably upsetting to a lot of fans on both sides. But you do what you have to do to get better. Hanging out with Jason Cole, OutKick.com, senior NFL uh, writer over there. The AFC East is such a – it's sort of a quandary to me because, you know, I watch the Bills who – there's obviously some sort of disconnect there. I know they've had a couple injuries that took place when they played against Jacksonville that have that have sort of impacted what that team does. I look at the Dolphins, who've played two good teams and lost to two good teams. Yeah, they've beaten up on the Sisters of the Poor, but you know they're dealing with injuries in the running game and obviously the offensive line. How do you sort of sum up where we are right now um, in the AFC East with, with both of those teams? I think that Miami is the better team right now, even though Buffalo dusted them. Because I think that was a game that got out of hand early and just snowballed on Miami. And the reason I say that I think Miami's better is, A, they're a little bit more consistent. And B, Buffalo's injuries injuries are huge. You know, losing Milano is a big deal. Losing Dayton Jones is a big deal. Losing now Dawson Knox you know, and what they were trying to construct is a big deal, especially when you look at Josh Allen and you say, dude, can you just play the game simple? Can you just, for a day, take the easy pass? Can you not try and make this like you want to throw every pass off of one foot, falling off of the side, making an acrobatic play? And he'll do that for two or three games, and then he'll revert to form. And he, he just makes the game a lot harder than it needs to, and it's got to stop, along with the fact that, look, their running game is suspect. So their consistency is just not there. This is a team that they're as mentally up and down as the inconsistency with which Josh Allen plays. Hmm. So you put it all together, and I think they're a very suspect team right now. And the Dolphins, yes, they've gotten smoked by two physical teams. I thought that Philly was going to handle them. I thought they were going to have a rough day against Philly. Excuse me, because I think Philly is the best team in the league. Because Philly can impose their will on on teams when they want to. And they're not playing as well as they did last year because they surprised a lot of people last year. But they still sit there and they say, we're going to hit you in the mouth at certain times in the game, and you just can't handle it with us, right? You can't you can't run with us. And football is, a, is like that a lot. And they still make enough big plays, and they're starting to get more efficient with their offense that I think they're going to peak in the second half of the season, and they're going to be really good. 
they're going to be right there in the hunt for the Super Bowl. I agree. I I agree with you, but I still think Mm -hmm. if you put them and the Chiefs on a neutral field right now, I think the Chiefs beat them again. Maybe. I mean, the Chiefs are better than they were last year. They are. Their defense is so good. Right. I mean, I think that it's a much different game because it's not a game that's played in the 30s. I think it's a game that's played in the 20s, right? But... But I, I, you know, that, I think it's a great game. And, and, but look, there's so much that's going to happen here over the next, you know, 10, 11 weeks. Yes. We don't know what incarnation any of these teams is going to be. But, but if you were to play the games today, yes, Kansas City and Philly are the best teams in the league. So I don't think there's any shame for the Dolphins in losing that game last week to bring it back to what the point is. I think the Dolphins need to grow and they need to say, we have to handle games in a physical way. And we also have to, the defense has to improve. And that's not to say Fangio is not doing a good job. It's just, they've got a lot of work that they've got to do to get to be the team that can take advantage of the offense that they have. And by that, I mean, play fast, blitz a lot, get turnovers, you know, don't try and hit people in the mouth. Cause you're not very good at that. All right. You're not going to go toe to toe with people. But you want to play tempo football. And if you can force tempo football with your offense, then you have a chance to beat a team like Philly or a team like Buffalo if they fall into your trap. It's sort of like when the Golden State Warriors were at their best. Okay. They played at a tempo that other teams simply couldn't maintain. They wanted to maintain because everybody likes to play basketball fast, but they couldn't maintain because the Warriors were so much better than that. What the what the Dolphins are trying to do is play games at tempo, and it, it, it takes a lot. It's sort of like when New Orleans won its championship. Mm-hmm. They were a team that played at tempo. Um, they wanted to play the game fast, wanted to play a lot of turnovers, wanted to get extra possessions, do whatever they had to do. That's what the Dolphins are trying to get to. Are the Ravens a Super Bowl contender right now in your mind? Yeah, they're a Super Bowl contender. I, I, Here's forever what the issue is, and, and it will never get solved until you actually get in the situation. Playoff games inevitably come down to three, four, five, six plays that the quarterback has to make. All right? Third and six, third and seven, third and eight, third and ten, whatever it happens to be. And you have to have a great precision player. I mean, Tom Brady, when they beat Kansas City in that playoff game, and they hit, you know, how many third and tens in a row in that game, right? Which is just impossible. But that's what great quarterbacks have to do that, right? Well, Lamar Jackson, for everything that he does well, and, and he's, a, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these people who said, oh, he's overrated. And, and no, he's a great player. He makes your team competitive. Right? He puts you in a position to be a playoff caliber team. But the one thing that he's not great at is third and five situations, throwing the ball to the exact right spot into that really tight window because he's not a pure passer. That's not that's not what he is, okay? He's not a drop back, you know, hang in the pocket, deliver it to that small window on third and eight where it has to go. That's not the strength of his game. And I know that he people say, oh, his pocket stats are awesome and this and that. Yeah, that's true. Okay? I'm talking about very, very particular situations. Right. If the Ravens can cover up the number of times that they need him to make those kinds of plays, they can win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. 
if you ask him to do that too much, then you're not going to get there. And so that depends on how well do you play situational football. But they are a contender. It just comes with that caveat. Jason Cole, check out his work, outkick.com. They're a senior NFL writer over there. He's also a Hall of Fame selector. Yeah, what's up, my friend? You, you had something else you wanted to throw in? No, I was just oh, waiting. Okay. Oh, you were just waiting. Okay. All right, I'm just, I'm just checking, just making sure. Uh, yeah. He's also a fantastic author. Uh, so go and check out his many books. Where? Hold on. Where is it? Oh, shut yeah. up. Shut up. Your kid is not that great. It's behind my big fat head so nobody can ah. see it. But uh, shut up. Your kid is not that great. Uh, terrific book from our friend Jason Cole. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Be well. All right. Take care, Jason. Jason, Jason Cole hanging out with us on the show. All right. Uh, let's get into it with our man, Sam Yarnell. He joins us on the other side. Other side of what? I don't really know. <laughs> Uh, we'll get into some NBA, NFL, odds and ends. Don't go anywhere. It's the Sports Wrap on a Thursday. The Sports Wrap continues on this Thursday, October 26, trying to I, I changed the lighting in here a little bit today because I feel like I always look or uh, I always look like pasty white which I am I changed the lighting in the studio a little bit today to to try and make me look a little less white you know hashtag so white it's kind of what I look like uh Sammy Arnell is our prince of I can't call him the prince of picks he's just flat out stunk lately What'd you do this weekend? We didn't even talk about it, did we? No. What'd you do this weekend? Yeah. Were you two and two? Yeah, I was. No, I was one and three again last weekend. I was zero and four. I was zero and four. I had an over. I don't even know what to I know, say for and myself. I bet against you on Monday Night Football, so that should count. I should be two and three. Yeah, I wasn't very good, but you're not two and three. Um. Thank you to Jason Cole for hanging out with us. Had some interesting thoughts. Um, now, he and I have been in agreement on Lamar Jackson forever. Uh, we'll get into it when we get into the NFL stuff coming up uh, in a few minutes here on the podcast. I wanted to spend a few minutes on the NBA because uh, I watched some stuff last night before the disaster porn took over on my uh, on my television with this with this shooting in Maine that that pulled me away from the television, so I wasn't able to watch as much of Victor Wembamyama as I wanted to. Uh, but I did watch a ton of the Knicks and Celtics last night. And so um, I've got some thoughts on that. Let me just say this. If Boston plays with 60% or 70% of the energy the Knicks play with, they're going to win the NBA championship. I'll tell you that right now. And that's not just based on one game. It's not an overreaction to one game to say that. I mean, they're they're obviously a favorite, one of the few, you know three or four teams we look at and say NBA championship contender. But I watch um, I watched that game last night with the addition of Kristaps uh, Porzingis. <clears throat> excuse me, Kristaps Porzingis. And what he does, now look, you could sit here all day and try to figure out, all right, do they get out of Porzingis enough defensively to make up for what they lose with Marcus Smart, but Porzingis also gives them more offense in that in that category. 
from what I saw last night, he was a difference maker on both ends of the floor. Now, the key with Porzingis, as always, is can you keep him healthy for 70 games and make sure he's healthy for the postseason? Because if he is, you saw a prime example last night. Huge spot, Madison Square Garden, everybody booing him, fans chanting, you know, Porzingis sucks, all of this stuff, the flop, he got hit with a technical for a flop, which I also got to talk about. Um, Everything I saw last night, again, one game, but taking what we already knew about the Celtics from last season, adding Porzingis to the mix, Missoula getting a full offseason with this team. Remember, he was brought in just a couple of weeks before the season started uh, last year. Not brought in, but elevated to head coach. The Celtics, a championship contender, and, and certainly a, a, a big favorite if we're talking about the top two or three teams uh, in the NBA. I agree with you. I think, you know, it goes to show a lot when you're beating a team that's projected to be like the five, six seed in the East. Uh, you're beating them and you're playing at like 40%. The mm-hmm. Celtics did not come out last night and look good in any way, shape, or form. And they still figured out how to come out of there with the win. So that was, it was huge for me. And I mean, I know JJ was on the show with me yesterday talking a, a little preview for that game. And, it was kind of exactly the opposite of what he said. The Celtics came out and they played down to the Knicks, but they still figured out a way to win. That's what championship teams do. So, uh, yeah, great stuff out of the Boston Celtics. I hate hate to say this, but the Celtics are going to go as far as their perimeter shooting takes them. And in the first half last night, they shot it great. They were still only up five or six at the half. The second half, they couldn't put the ball in the ocean until late when Porzingis hit a couple of huge shots to silence the crowd and stymie the Knicks' momentum. You know, the Knicks, I'll tell you this much. I I, I think their win projection total is like 44.5 or 45.5 before uh, the season started last night for them. And I think they'll go over just because they play so hard every night. They squeeze every last bit of juice out of that orange. Every single night, you know, and look, maybe sometimes that's why some people will argue that when they get to the postseason, they falter because, you know, the team just runs out of gas. They run out of energy. They run out of stamina, whatever it may be. Guys get hurt, that sort of thing. But you watched the Knicks last night and you could see why this team will be a playoff team. This team will be in the conversation. But boy, oh boy. You cannot miss 11 or 12 free throws. And if there is anything about the NBA, anything about watching basketball, high-level college, NBA, even WNBA, but they don't miss free throws in the WNBA. They shoot them really well in the WNBA. Nothing drives me bonkers more than NBA teams, professional basketball players that can't make free throws. You could stick me at a free throw line right now. And I haven't shot a basketball in six years, and I'll hit seven of ten. And you've got NBA play. Julius Randle can't hit a free throw. Randle was awful last night. Awful. R.J. Barrett inconsistent. Jalen Brunson's good. I like him. I like Grimes. But, man, you can't make free throws. Knicks lost that game because they couldn't make free throws. That's it. So this is this is a subject that I actually fall a little differently than the vast majority of people who agree with you on. Shocking. And 
Yeah, right. Contrarian, me being contrarian, Sammy Arnell. Um, here's the thing: actual in-game free throws, especially at the NBA level, but I'd say at all high levels of basketball, be it college, even the really good high schools. Right? Mm. I grew up in a place where high school basketball is the best country, no matter who wants to try and argue with it. Um, and, and you can see it even at those levels. Uh. Practicing free throws at a game speed and a game level is one of the hardest things to do in basketball. Because like Jason said, he could walk up to his local park's free throw line. I could walk up to the park down the street and stand at the free throw line 50 times and make 40 free throws. Right? That's I can make 45. That's 90%. But normally the the argument against it is the environment like oh yeah standing in a park much different than standing in the middle of an arena with 25,000 people yeah sure not really the difference is when you're shooting a free throw in an nba game you just got you're getting a short break from playing the fastest major sport at the fastest pace possible so having your body have to adjust to the stoppage in timing is incredibly hard to control and let alone my keep your head straight while doing something else while your body's coming down from this incredible physical exertion and i know jason's putting his hands over his face because he's going to say oh you're a professional athlete you need to practice that sam sam we're talking about the upper what half a percent of basketball players in the world mm-hmm. the greatest of the greatest okay i agree it's top gun but for basketball players i mean we're talking <laughs> we're talking the smallest of the smallest go to the free throw line and make your effing free throws you can I give agree. me all this talk you're about right. oh you're you're getting you're trying to catch your breath you're trying to you are the greatest basketball players in the world you can't figure out a way to make seventy five percent of your free throws seventy five percent who shoots at a worse than seventy five percent clip generally in the in the major leagues in the NBA who shoots at a worse than seventy five percent clip. Right? It's the fours and the fives. I'll it's agree with the that. guys who are six, ten and taller and weigh two hundred and sixty-five, two hundred and seventy or more pounds. Those guys, obviously, just because of their physical status, are the ones who actually need to catch their breath. The the threes and the twos and the ones, the the six twos and the six threes who are two thirty and lean muscle, uh, those guys can can get it back relatively quickly, and it shows in the free throw. Numbers. There's so much time about- between the foul call, a guy coming in, and them sh- then 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 they shoot their free. There's so much time there. I'm You're not talking buying. about a max of forty seconds. That's a ton of time for a. Finely tuned professional athlete. I'm, I'm just not buying it. 
Anyway, I, I understand that it's a lot. It's a lot of time to to maybe catch your breath and settle back down. But what you're not realizing is that they go from shooting in that state that their body's in, running up and down the floor, to completely slowing down and then having to go through that same motion while their body's moving at a completely different speed. I'm not justifying anyone in a professional level doing something uh, at that rate. Right, seventy five percent when the league average is in the low. 80s isn't acceptable to be that far below average that said it makes sense to me why these things happen and i feel like it's a justified result that we get in the nba whereas a lot of things like jalen brown not being able to dribble with his left hand in year six in the nba (laughs) that that doesn't make sense that's not logical big men missing free throws a little more logical to me i just i think it's nuts it's nuts it drives me crazy (laughs) Um, Victor Wembamyama. Can I just say this? I don't even care about the stats or any of that stuff from last night. It's his first game. People are going crazy. I had this thought this morning, this epiphany, as I was as I was getting ready to do the show today. The hype and the buzz and the need to stuff him. I, I don't know how many times we're going to see him this year. What ten times? I don't remember how many times. He's going to be on national TV this year. Maybe we could look it up. Um, but we're going to see a ton of Wemby in, in this year. And the problem I have with that is, if you needed, if the NBA needed a savior, if the NBA needed saving, if the talent had dropped off so much, if you're a league like the NHL and you're looking for a spark and a Connor Bedard can sort of get people excited, I could understand the need for the team, for the league, for the TV partners of the NBA to shove Victor Wembanyama down our throats. It's a lot to shove, by the way. It's seven foot three. Um, I can understand that that desire to do that. But it feels to me like the NBA is setting him up to fail. It feels to me like the TV partners are setting him up to fail by giving us so much Wemby so fast all the time. Because we don't need it right now. The NBA, the talent level in this league has never been better. From an international standpoint, from a a standpoint of of players that are U.S.-born, This league is in such a good position right now. Now, granted, most people aren't going to care about the NBA for the next, you know, two months until we get to Christmas. And maybe Wemby adds a little excitement to a part of the season that doesn't generally have a ton of excitement attached to it. But I can't understand. It feels to me, for a league that from a marketing standpoint, this started with David Stern a zillion years ago, that has always known how to market itself and how to best put itself in a position to succeed. I can't understand why this league right now feels the need to give us so much Wemby so fast all the time when he goes out and puts sort of a eh performance, which is going to lead to the naysayers piling on him, which is going to bring more pressure on this teenager to perform at a high level. And then before you know it, he's Sean Bradley. I know, bit of an exaggeration. (laughs) I know, bit of an exaggeration. He's not going to be Sean Bradley. But you get my point. 
I just don't understand why the league feels like it needs a savior right now. It doesn't need a savior. Victor Wembanyama doesn't have to be, you know, one of the, the all-time greats overnight. Give it time. Let it breathe, as we like to say in broadcasting. Go ahead. I strongly agree with you. I, what? I do. Especially with the state of the NBA, uh, even the state of, like, that conference, even the state of that division. Not that divisions matter in the NBA anymore, but, oh, oh my God, the year that the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to blow up, and I mean blow up, that is going to be an atomic bomb this year. <laughs> the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to be a contender for years to come, and it's all going to start this year. I don't know why they're so sought. They're so set on... on throwing this seven foot six giraffe unicorn down our throats. Like you said, it doesn't make sense to me, especially with the Spurs team that what six years ago it ended their dynastic run on which they had three hall of fame pillars of their organization. It's very interesting what the NBA is doing here. I can't say that it's a great look for Adam Silver as commissioner. And quite frankly, there's part of me, and I've thought this since he was drafted, there's part of me that thinks that the best outcome for the league, for Wembenyama, and for the Spurs this season is for something to happen to him injury-wise and him have to sit out the majority of games. I'm serious. I I think that we're putting the expectations on the Spurs way too high. You saw it in game one last night. I mean, from a betting perspective, uh, at least at MGM, who make their figures public, 99% 99% of bets were on Wembenyama's over points. 99% wow. of bets were on his over rebounds. 99% of bets were on his overs for blocks. You know what he did with all three? Went under. He went under the line. So I don't understand why we're continuing to build him up when there are so many other awesome storylines in the Western Conference alone this season. I mean, Chris Paul got made his first appearance with the Warriors and threw up on the court, basically, in crunch time. Why is nobody talking about that? Why instead are we making a 19-year-old's first NBA game in which he had 15 points and two blocks, by the way? Why are we making this the biggest deal? I don't get it, Jason. 15 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, a block. That block was early, by the way. A singular block um, and five turnovers. Dallas wins 126-119. By the way, just ho-hum. Luka Doncic, uh, 33-13-10 in the win. Mavericks cannot. let Let me say this, too. The Mavericks defensively are a disgrace. And there is no sign. They were a disgrace last year, especially after they traded away the few defensive pieces they had on that team they were a disgrace last year they're going to be even worse this year and that means they're probably going to be a seven or eight seed at best if not a play-in team and Doncic won't be there much longer because he's not hanging around there and and you know committing to staying with that organization uh when you consider how bad they are defensively and he's going to have no chance to win a title there yes sam So, as I said on the show before the NBA season started, Mm -hmm. my pick to win Rookie of the Year, Washington Wizards' own Victor Wembanyama's former teammate, Bilal Mm -hmm. Koulibaly. Mm. And let's just go ahead and take a look at Bilal Koulibaly's line from night one. Uh, So, three points, not great, but we don't need the points. 
four rebounds, three assists, three blocks, getting it done on the defensive end. That's my rookie of the year. Played 23 minutes. He was a minus 13, by the way. He took three <laughs> shots in 23. That's like, that's concerning. That's, but then again, on a team with Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma and only one ball in the game, it's going to be hard to get more than three shots yeah. in 20 minutes. Two of those guys combined for 36 of the uh, 96 <laughs> shots that the Wizards put up last night and getting trounced by the Pacers, <laughs> by the way. Oh, it was awesome. They gave up awesome. 143. They gave up 143 to the Pacers. Jeez, Louise. Wow, that's bad. Yeah, they made Bruce Brown look like prime LeBron. Dave in Connecticut actually texted me last night at the half of the the Cavs-Nets game. I think it was like 63-62 or something like that. And he said to me, hey, should I take the... Uh, should I take the under on the second half? Uh, not second half, under for the game, uh, which was 138 or something like that. And I was like, if it, if you believe the game's going to stay close, then yes, you take the under because possessions become at a premium, teams slow it down 100%. And I've been really good on live betting the NBA, which is the one thing I miss about doing the nighttime show is I just used to give out tons of live betting NBA winners. Dave used to make some good money thanks to me. Um, but yeah, you get those tight NBA games, man, those unders, those unders will come in every time. Unless of course you get smacked in the face with an overtime game. Uh, Sacramento lit the beam last night too. One thirty. Yeah, did you see the, uh, the dunk in that game? Malik no. Monk, absolutely throwing Posterize down the somebody. hammer. Mm. Oh, it was awesome. It was actually really, really cool to see on night two of the NBA. Uh, also, how about Max Struess opening uh, opening night with the new team with the Cavs? Twenty seven points and twelve rebounds Struce. for Max Struess. Struess. Harrison Barnes, by the way, thirty three in the win for the Kings. Who knew Harrison Barnes could still score thirty three in a game? He's like fifty. Eleven of sixteen from the field. Five of seven from three. Six of six from the line. God, teams just take so many threes. Kings shot 51. Half of their shots last night were three-point attempts. 51 of 102. (laughs) Staggering number. It's such a different game. Such a different game. I'm I'm not being like old guy on his porch, you know, get off my lawn. It's just such a different game now. By the way, East West, uh... East-West in the All-Star game starting in 2024. They're going back to conferences, which, by the way, goes back to something you said in this segment, Sam. There are no conferences anymore. It doesn't matter. Guys change teams so much. Divisions. Divisions. But I think I feel the same way about conferences. It's Yeah, fair statement. Who cares? Who cares that they're going to – it's just switching it up. It's fine. It's the All-Star game. Nobody cares anyway. All right, uh, as we continue, we'll get into the NFL. Interesting story involving Deshaun Watson that we want to talk about. (laughs) Oh, boy. Does he want to play football? That's what some people are asking. We'll get into it as we continue on the Sports Wrap. Stay with us. We proceed on this Thursday edition of the Sports Wrap 
If you have not subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and do it. That way it's there for you like a, a warm blanket every day. You can just wrap yourself up in us. Something like that. Um, all right, let's get into some NFL. We talked with Jason Cole about a whole bunch of NFL things. What I did not discuss with him was this story involving Brady Quinn, which if you have not heard about it, um, well, there's a long story. But let me give you the, the gist of it. Um, you know that Deshaun Watson came out of the game on Sunday. Uh, he's been nursing some sort of injury, shoulder or whatever it may be. But he came out of the game. He was on the sidelines. He looked like he was fine. Nobody seems to really understand the the gravity of the injury. P.J. Walker came in. The Browns still figured out a way to win uh, for the second straight game with P.J. Walker largely as their quarterback. Uh, but Brady Quinn had some interesting comments talking with LeVar Arrington over on Fox Sports Radio. Take a listen to what he said. Actually, the one that's basically reporting on his health to, to the media. Which well, I find everyone to be else, peculiar. Everyone else with a medical opinion just clears them pretty much. I mean, it's like, well, it, it, it's kind of similar to this. You get a kid who get gets a trust fund, right? $230 million. Then he's like, hey, you want to go out and get a job? He's like, not really. No. 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 I've got $230 million coming. I, I'm good. That's what it kind of feels like. Like, it's it's human nature, by the way, too, for if someone wants, if you want the lotto and you end up netting $230 because we always talk about the Powerball and all that. Like you'd probably be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm probably not. Gonna, I'm, I'm probably not going to do this anymore, right? So you're saying I don't have to really play anymore? Like yeah. that's what we're saying, Deshaun. And, and and look, Stefanski was saying afterwards that you know he was cleared of the concussion pro. They he, you know they checked him for a concussion. He was cleared, and then it was Stefanski that just decided not to put him in the game because he wanted to protect his franchise quarterback, which were which were the words. I want to protect my franchise quarterback. It's like okay, then why why did he suit up? Like if that's the case, why is he playing at all? Hey man, the the Browns are going to make a run. With P.J. Walker, Walker starting as their quarterback for the majority of this year yeah. and their $230 million starting quarterback on the bench. Yep. There you go. And there is a lot of that sentiment out there trying to figure this out. Now, here's the one thing I will say about this, Sam, and then you can give your thoughts on it again. Um. I always think it's very risky. Unless you have inside information, unless you have credible information, and in that case, you have an obligation, I think, if you're going to say what Brady Quinn said or LeVar Arrington is saying or whatever other stooge is on the show with them is saying, I think you have an obligation then to present the information why you think that Deshaun Watson is simply saying, I don't want to play and I just want to collect my paycheck. It is always, and, and the Kawhi Leonard stuff has taught us this. I think, you know, very uh, appropriately, is you, unless you know what's going on with a guy's body, what's going on with his mental state, any of these things, I think it is very tricky to start trying to diagnose somebody from a press box, from a radio studio, a TV studio. I think it's very dangerous. That being said, it is very peculiar. There you go. We're just not even going to mention the part about Brady Quinn on Twitter. 
Well, you could talk about Brady Quinn on Twitter. I mean, that was the best part of this whole clip, Jason. <laughs> so for those of you who didn't see, there's this guy named Quincy Avery, who apparently is, Desha- he's a QB coach, like a private QB coach, but he trains Deshaun Watson a lot. And he's close friends with Deshaun Watson and he worked with Deshaun Watson in Houston and still works with him in Cleveland. He, Quincy Avery quotes the tweet of the, the video clip that Brady Quinn show tweets out. And essentially says, Brady, you need to not talk about what you don't know about. Uh, You're not informed on this situation, blah, blah, blah. They go back and forth a couple of times until Brady Quinn has one of the best tweets of this past month, NFL season. You could pick the denomination of time, and it would be (laughs) one of the top tweets. He goes, How about we massage this conversation and get it to a happy ending? Does that sound satisfactory? And I mean, really, how do you come back from that if you're Quincy Avery, Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson has no choice but to play every game for the rest of the season and the rest of that entire contract if he wants any chance at coming back from this tweet. I mean, Brady Quinn just absolutely put them, maybe the entire Cleveland quarterback room, in the grave with that one tweet. It was awesome. It was great. It did have a chalk outline sort of feel to it. Just draw. Oh my god! Double the body. tap to the chest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and look, nobody nobody thinks less of Deshaun Watson as a human being than I do. But maybe me. Okay. But I still think it's very. I still think it's very dangerous when announcers get into the territory of speculating what's going on with somebody's body because you just don't know, you know, and, and look, maybe there is a degree and everybody, you know what? Brady Quinn never came close to making the kind of money or having the kind of career that Deshaun Watson is at. Okay. We're talking about a guy that Mm. barely got by for a few years in the league as a backup. And he's also a former Cleveland Browns quarterback. So ax to grind, but hold on, hold on. Unless you make that kind of FU money that Deshaun Watson is making, maybe there is an element of, hey, man, I got mine now. It's all guaranteed. It's not, it's not the dumbest thing in the world to want to protect yourself. You know, this investment that's been made, I, I, you know what? I get it. I get it. I'm not saying I agree with it. There's a lot it, of nuance but- there. Yeah, go ahead. There's a lot of nuance there because, first of all, there's a serious conversation that needs to be had about if Brady Quinn is, in fact, worse than Deshaun Watson over oh, his career. Stop it. I, mm, I, Deshaun Watson has one career playoff win. One. That's, was in a that's, wild that's way more than Brady Quinn. It is. If it is any, it is one more. I don't know. I wasn't. Was I alive for Brady Quinn's yes, career? He's only thirty-eight. Okay, so I didn't. Yeah, maybe. Um, that's number one. Number two is you have to remember the the entire narrative around the Deshaun Watson contract. Not only did they give it to to that kind of human being in the middle of his suspension. Right, The Browns gave him a fully guaranteed contract, one that we had never seen the likes of before in the NFL, let alone one given to the quarterback. 
which a lot of owners clearly did not like that the Browns were setting that precedent that, hey, we give quarterbacks guaranteed money over this many years and so on and so forth. There, there's always been, there's always been this kind of discussion around this specific contract, and Deshaun Watson had to know when he was signing it that if he didn't perform exactly perfectly, he there would be dis- <laughs> there would be discussion <laughs> to be had about this contract because. When you guarantee somebody money, it's like Brady Quinn says. It's making them a trust fund child, yes. right? But not every trust fund child is bad. Some trust fund children take that money and invest it in ways to fix the world and end world hunger and solve cancer and all those kinds of things. Deshaun Watson just needs to turn into that kind of trust fund kid rather than the video game playing Ferrari driving trust fund kid he's acting like right now. Gave me $300 million. I don't know what I would do. You'd never hear from me again. Nope. Never hear from me again. You would find me in Bora Bora for the rest of my life. Yep. I'd be going to that space hotel that they're building. (laughs) I'd be, I would be one of the, I'd be the first person in that space hotel. (laughs) I'd be, I'd be taking that Richard Branson rocket on Virgin Atlantic with William Shatner. Just hanging out in outer space, floating around. That's what I would be doing. Boy, do I have some beachfront property in Kansas I'd like to sell you. (laughs) Um, I talked about it with Jason Cole. I I think the 49ers can afford to play it safe here with Brock Purdy because we talked about the Seahawks schedule, and we know what the Niners are. And I I think they can afford to play it safe. I think they could afford to play it safe with with Brock Purdy because, one, I still think they can win with Sam Darnold, by the way, which is an indictment on Brock Purdy, some would argue. But again, we already know that the Niners are, are, are about the, you know, the sum total of the parts. And Jason Cole talked about this, and I think he's spot on when we, when we got into it. <laughs> The success of that team isn't dependent on one person. The success of that team is dependent on multiple people being healthy and staying healthy. Now, when are, when's Debo going to be right? Is Christian McCaffrey right? Yes, Brock Purdy matters. Um, I don't think if it... I Look, if everybody else was healthy and Sam Darnold was the starting quarterback for more than one or two weeks, they're in trouble. But I think you can get by with Sam Darnold for one or two weeks. I think you can. When the 49ers win this game, Mm -hmm. which they will, don't know how much it's going to be by, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be great Mm because it's the game of the week. When Sam Darnold leads the 49ers to victory this week and gives them a chance to rest Brock Purdy another week, and then Sam Darnold goes out and wins that oh, game. Oh, stop it. We do not have a quarterback there controversy. There is going to be a serious quarterback controversy. Oh, Physically, they are the exact same quarterback. Mentally, I would argue Sam Darnold is tougher than Brock Purdy is. Sam Darnold, I know damn well, has faced a lot more adversity in his career. 
I'm I'm com- I'm way more confident in Sam Darnold in this offense than I was Brock Purdy. What? I will stand behind it. Write Brock Purdy off. If any of you have an MVP MVP ticket on Brock Purdy, because I know like two weeks ago that was a super popular buy, you can go ahead and rip that one up. It'll make for some really nice kindling tonight when you're watching the Bills beat down on the Buccaneers. But the the entire the entire narrative around Brock Purdy is so misconstructed. Like if that team had a real actual good quarterback, we're they're minus money to win the Super Bowl right now. Seriously, uh, I think that they're just as good, if not better, with Sam Darnold under center as they were with Brock Purdy. I'm very interested to see what kind of controversy we get because I Hot think take. Sam Darnold is a lot cheaper. Hot take. Hot take. Careful, man. You know what happens to hot takes sometimes? You touch, you get too close to the fire, you get burned. I, I've been burned plenty of time on this show. If the Bengals go in there on uh, Sunday night into Santa Clara and win that game, you know, 21-10, 24-10, not going to be pretty on Monday. Not no, going to be not. pretty. Um, let's finish with Thursday night football. Buccaneers and Bills, Bucks plus 9.5, plus 380 on the money line. 43.5 is your total. Bills at minus 490. How you feeling, Mr. Uh, Bills fan? It's kind of do or die tonight for the Bills. If they don't, if they don't come Cobra out, Kai, and put up 40, do or die. If they don't come out and put up 35, 42 points in this game against a Bucks defense that might not have Vita Vea, I'll say if Vita Vea plays, even if he does, he's going to be banged up. Like this is not a great Bucks defense right now, and this is a game managing quarterback in Baker Mayfield that the Bills should be able to beat handedly. Uh, I'm going to be very concerned with the Buffalo Bills if they don't score 35 points in this game. And if they win this game by less than 10 points, uh, that said, not touching the totals, not touching the sides for my pick in this game. We're going to get a little freaky with it. Uh, we'll go Dalton Kincaid anytime touchdown at plus 220. Of all the things that you're going to wager in this game, you don't like the sides. You don't like that. You're giving me Dalton Kincaid. Because when it doesn't happen, because it won't, because I'm saying it on this show, <laughs> I won't feel that bad. Um, what are the passing totals? I've been really good on passing However, totals. we'll throw this out there. Primetime game, Bills are playing. If by, you know, the time that we roll around within like half an hour of kickoff, mm. if a couple of the listeners on the show want to follow me on Twitter and I gain, we'll put the line at, if I gain more than three Twitter followers <laughs> before the game tonight, I'll tweet out a side, a total, some more props. I'll give it all to you. They'll all be losers, but I'll at least have them for you so you'll know what to bet against. Thanks for instilling confidence in this show. Sam underscore Yarnell is his uh, handle on X, formerly known as Twitter. The only passing prop right. is Josh Allen tonight. 259 and a half. It's a lot of yards. Don't it's know if I'm going over a lot of yards. It's a lot of yards. I would agree with you. I don't have a fun I don't have a good feel for this game. So rather than just give a give a pick out of um 
some misplaced obligation to do so, I'm I'm going to probably stay away from it. If I was going to lean, uh, all right, fine. If I was going to lean towards anything, it'd be bucks plus nine and a half. Now they're going to lose by 10. I'm going to get hooked. And that's going to be the end of that. Uh, before we go, a thought on um, the Masters saying they're unlikely to ease entry for live golfers. This is going to continue to be a battle. You've got so many factions. Of, it's not just the PGA Tour and live. It's the PGA Tour. It's each individual major. It's the Ryder Cup. It's the President's Cup. There are a lot of players involved here. There's the World Golf Rankings, the OWGR, which has got their own world and bubble that they live in. It's going to continue to be an issue. And reminder, we're getting closer to the end of the year when the PGA Tour and Live Golf are supposed to have a deal fully consummated. Still hasn't happened, so we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens there. We are back on Friday with Page versus the Prince. We can't do much better than we did. Uh, can't do much worse than we did last week, where I was winless. Oh, you're bringing back the glasses. We're going to bring I those had back. The one winner between the two of us last week. You did I've have to the bring one. them back. You've got to do something. It's going to wrap it up wow. for us. What's the matter? The person who faded us last week faded every single one of our picks. They went seven and one. Good for them. Just do opposite picks like Scott Wetzel. Opposite picks. Uh, make sure to subscribe on the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us Monday through Friday. Twitch. Jason Page 77, X at the back page over on YouTube and Facebook as well. Just look for the sports wrap. We'll see you back here on Friday. For Sam, I'm Jason. Thanks to Jason Cole. We'll see you tomorrow.